0: Today, we find ourselves in America where anything can happen from our dreams coming true to our nightmares becoming real. This is American Crimes. Everybody, As always, I am Patrick Michael, and today we have a pretty devastating case, and we're going to kind of work backwards in this case, unlike we usually do. Uh, We're not going to start with, I I guess you'll just have to listen to find out, but either way, we're talking today about the death of 18-year-old Hannah Graham. She was a high-achieving British-American sophomore at the prestigious University of Virginia in Charlottesville, Virginia, and according to her friends and family, she was a devoted student. She was an athlete and she was very well liked by the other students. And like many young college students, Hannah enjoyed spending her time and weekends going out of town with her friends to socialize. And I think we all know what that means. Let's get a little tipsy. The night of September 12, 2014 was no different than any other Friday on campus. Kids partying, initiations being took for Greek frat houses. And the nerds trying to get into any party by any means necessary, like most movies we've seen about college. Uh, The weather was warm, and since it was still summer, the sky remained bright into the early evening. So around 7 p.m. that day, Hannah met up with some of her friends, fellow ski team members, to hang out before going downtown for the evening. According to friends, Hannah and the rest of the group began drinking around 7.30 and continued to drink as the night progressed. So you can imagine, these people are probably pretty tipsy, I mean, to drink that long. I mean, I've had a day where I've drank from like 12 to 12. And, you know, wasn't a great next four to five weeks. But, um, after a couple hours of this, Hannah and her friends left to go to Fig. Which is apparently a restaurant, and no, it's not just Fig Newton's. But that seems like a great restaurant if you love Fig Newton's, and I'm a fan. Now, the restaurant was close to the main university campus... And this is because the Fig Restaurant was the location of a ski team function. Now, the function ended around 11 p.m., and Hannah left and went to a college party at an apartment off campus. So, you know, those are always the best places to have the part to go to a party, is the the one place off of campus. Because you know for sure that there's going to be some strange people coming and going. Maybe not just students. Now, she didn't stay very long. She ended up leaving soon after arriving with a friend she knew since high school. And they decided to go to a different party at another apartment nearby. So bouncing, so instead of bar hopping, they're apartment hopping, and they're not actually on campus anymore. And according to a witness at the party, Hannah continued to drink and became increasingly intoxicated. So people were able to tell that she's she's getting loose. And it was visible. And she continued to drink on top of that. So maybe she's going through something. Maybe she really wanted to just, you know, go all out that night. She knew she had to ski soon. I don't know. I mean, what are the reasons for continuing to drink after being so drunk and assuming that people are still giving her drinks regardless? They can tell she's drunk and they're not saying, hey, you know, maybe not have another, maybe not have another shot. So, like I said, Hannah is that you know atypical college student who's willing to live on the edge and live the college life. You know, when we know that there's a plenty of college students that just go to school, they take their tests, and they don't participate in these extracurricular activities, and good for them as well. But Hannah had been drinking since I don't know eight o'clock, nine o'clock, and. Just after midnight Hannah finally decided to tell a friend that she wasn't feeling well and she wanted to go home. So the friend walked her outside and offered to walk her back to her home but she declined and departed on foot alone. The last time she was seen ever was by those who actually knew her at this party. Despite being the last time they'd see her, Hannah would continue to remain in contact with various friends via text message. As the night stretched on into the early morning hours, her text messages became increasingly incoherent, many misspellings, and uh, certainly indicating a high level of intoxication. So we've all got these texts from people, maybe not to this level, but of course, you know, to the level of being drunk, but not to what we're here for. I mean this is American crimes. We do assume we're here for a particular reason. We can assume an outcome but we have gotten texts from people in the night. I mean we've gotten I used to get phone calls from family members and they were increasingly intoxicated you know to the point where in the beginning it's just yelling at you screaming and then towards the last couple phone calls they're crying and apologizing. So now the text message is such a highly prolific use of uh, communication people are using that to their best of their ability in these situations instead of calls but nonetheless Hannah's uh, misspellings and uh, increasingly incoherent messages were, were you know people were getting a little uh, suspicious to say the least now the last few messages she sent seemed to indicate that she was lost she first mentioned that she was on 14th and Wirtland Street in downtown Charlottesville, and then she mentioned 14th Street and the mall. The very last communication sent from Hannah's phone was this uh, text around 1 a.m. that simply stated, I got stuck down, though. I got stuck down, though. So she must, she must have actually got lost. I mean, for somebody who is a, a British American going to a school in Charlottesville, Virginia, it seems like you would only know a certain amount of places. That makes sense? For a place that you're not living or have not lived for very long, you're only going to know a certain area, right? Your house, the nearest store, the nearest bar, depending on who you are. Just, you know, there's just things that you know and things that you're not going to care too much to pay attention to because you don't know how long you're even going to be there. Now, maybe that was the situation here, but she did say she got stuck down, though. And that does, you know, for a person who's intoxicated to a sober person, it does kind of sound like either she was texting while she was being attacked by something, or she fell, or she was lost. Now, on Sunday, September 14th, two days later, Hannah's friends reported her missing after no one had heard from her since 1 a.m. on the 13th. Her family had also tried to contact her during the during that time without receiving any response, and that was very out of the ordinary, especially given that she is always in regular contact with her friends and family, and she also had no physical or mental health issues. Now, if, after getting the report to the Charlottesville Police Department, they immediately began their search. Virginia State Police and FBI became involved as well. Now, after conducting numerous interviews and reviewing surveillance footage of the surrounding area, police were able to put, a t- uh, put together a timeline of what is believed to have occurred that night after Hannah left her friends. So this is a scary thing, okay? I've been in situations like this where you're intoxicated and you decide to leave a place. You're intoxicated, you're drunk, and essentially you want to go home. That's the goal. You want to get home. Now whatever home is, if that's not where you're at, it could be two blocks away, it could be next door. It could be five miles, who knows? But when you're drunk, it, it certainly feels like it's, it's unachievable. And there's this one time that we had like this, this motel party and I ended up leaving and the next thing I remember is being woke up outside under this tree, behind like an auto zone by everybody that I was partying with in a vehicle. And luckily that was the case. But how, how did I pass out? When did I pass out? No idea. And that is one of the most terrifying things about alcohol is that memory lapse, that lack of instinct, all the things that occur. It's, it's a bizarre thing to be still consistently legal, but to each their own. So around 12:45 a.m. on the 13th, Hannah was seen walking in the area near McGrady's Pub in downtown Charlottesville. The bouncer noticed she appeared to be very drunk and asked if she needed help. So people in this area were at least like, "Hey, man, this she she still was noticeably intoxicated," and that has to say something. It has to say something. People were—I mean, I suppose where I've grown up, the people are more like, "Eh, "It's mind your business. Good luck." So at least this person was like, you know, are you okay? Because Hannah did say she was okay. She didn't need help. And then she continued walking east of the pub. As she continued walking east down Preston Avenue towards the mall, she was captured on a nearby surveillance camera. The footage shows her breaking into a short jog as she continued heading east. At 1 a.m. she was seen walking towards 2nd Street, where surveillance footage showed that she had a Became unable to walk in a straight line and was stumbling. So several of the downtown places seem to have captured Hannah traveling in the area. She's been walking quite, she was walking a lot. She walked a far distance. I don't know where she was, where she was going, or how she really even got there. But the video of her leaving the apartment, she was alone. Left the apartment building. She was off campus. She definitely was disoriented and the video shows her going through different areas and there's definitely somebody following her. Whenever she's seen, there's somebody not too far behind her. There's times where she's seen running or not running, but she does, it's almost as if somebody trips and they pretend not to and they just continue to run basically. That's what she looks like and then she slows down a little. So at 1.20 a.m., Hannah was captured again on camera a short distance away. She was walking past the Red Pump Kitchen restaurant but it appeared that she was being followed by a large man. And this was the last time that she was seen on camera. Nearly five weeks later, on October 18, 2014, a tragic discovery was made. Hannah's skeletal remains were discovered in a remote area of nearby Albemarle County. They were found in a densely wooded, slight ravine behind a vacant farmhouse. Due to the decomposition and animal uh, predation, Hannah's remains were scattered around the area. Man. The crop top that she was wearing was found inside out and unzipped. Her jeans were also found torn with one leg turned inside out. However, her undergarments, shoes, and cell phone were never recovered. Due to the state of her remains, the medical examiner determined that Hannah's cause of death was homicidal violence of underterm etiology. They also discovered her nose had been broken in two places prior to her her death. And because of the absence of other skeletal trauma, the examiner also ruled that Hannah's death was likely the cause of either suffocation or strangulation. Although her body was found in October, police already had been secretly developing a possible suspect in her disappearance. And the suspect's name was Jesse Leroy Matthew. I mean, the worst possible thing to have happen, of course... To be essentially having what you thought was a great time for most of the night. You know, hanging out with your friends, doing what college kids do. And then essentially getting into a story that could have been a really funny tale to, you know, retell to your friends. Had this not have happened. Right? Had she actually made it home at some point. This would have been something funny that many of us have went through that we were able to retell. And unfortunately she wasn't able to do that. And the other thing is is it's just so sickening to think that in the beginning of this walk she had help. Somebody was going to help her. And all she had to do was say yeah. But she continued on her own and then ends up walking by somebody who realized... That she was wounded and much like a predator in the jungle he went after her instead of trying to help her and assist her and get her home safely he took advantage what a disgusting fuck just a piece of shit 100 garbage and the worst part is this isn't the first guy this isn't the only guy this is a historical thing it's been happening in our society since we were a thing. You know, there's all I don't know. It takes one it takes one to ruin it for everybody else. That's what they say, right? Now Jesse Matthew first came to CPD's attention only a few days after Hannah's disappearance. On September on September nineteenth, five days after she went missing, the police announced that they had reviewed surveillance footage and had observed Matthews following Hannah. Thank God, right? 32-year-old Matthew, who was 6'2", 270, was a complete stranger to Hannah. Matthew grew up just outside of Charlottesville, Virginia, and as a child, most people called him LJ or Little Jesse. He was bullied at school due to him having a stutter and severe learning disabilities. Additionally, he was also harassed for being poor. His dad was an alcoholic who f- was frequently absent, and at 16, his parents divorced. Now, despite his learning disabilities, Matthew became an a- excellent athlete once he reached high school. He was a member of the varsity football team and won an MVP award. So congratulations to him. Seemed to be a, outside of it, the disabilities and the learning. He was uh, you know, well adjusted. Uh, later that year, Matthew enrolled in Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, after receiving a football scholarship. Now, even though he showed promise as a potential professional athlete, his career would be crashing down in 2002. Now that October 17th, a woman reported that she was raped on campus. The woman identified Matthew as the predator. Matthew denied her claim and stated that the sex was consensual and there were no other witnesses so when the woman who came forward stated she didn't want to press charges. Matthew abruptly left Liberty afterward and enrolled in classes in Christopher Newport University and Newport News in 2003. He later joined another football team there and a month later another sexual investigation another sexual assault sexual assault was being investigated the name of the victim in this case was not identified from then on Matthew bounced around Virginia going from odd job to odd job in 2005 Fairfax County Virginia in Fairfax County Virginia a 26 year old woman had been beaten and raped while walking home the attacker who was determined years later to be Matthew was unidentified for so long although police did recover DNA and then a Although police did recover DNA of the then-unidentified attacker, in 2007, Matthew moved back to the Charlottesville area where he grew up. He got a DMV cab permit and became a cabbie. He continued to live and work in the area until 2014. Once police identified Matthew as the man in surveillance footage at the bar, they began to retrace his steps to determine when he and Hannah crossed paths. On September 12, 2014, Matthew's day started off as fairly routine. He was taking the day off uh, from taxiing and spent most of his afternoon helping coach a football game. After the game was already early evening and Matthew headed downtown for a drink. His first stop was at the Lazy Parrot Bay in Albemarle County. Throughout the night, Matthew would visit several bars and would perpetrate a series of increasingly brazen unwanted sexual advances. So he's a skis. Of course. Another patron confronted Matthew about this whole thing, and Matthew apologized, saying that he was just trying to meet girls. Ugh. All by himself, creepy-like. Afterwards, Matthew traveled to the mall in downtown Charlottesville, where he visited more bars. Uh, At another venue, he was approached by uh, two women who reported that Matthew came up to them without mourning, picked up both of them, and cradled them by their buttocks. And of course, that made them uncomfortable. He put them down after they protested, but later again tried to dance with one of them. It didn't go well, of course, and Matthew later went on to the Tempo Bar, where he was once again observed to be behaving inappropriately. So the guy's in heat, okay? That's what's happening. Because Matthew grabbed, uh, he grabbed a woman's leg, he took off woman's, the woman's sock, he was doing all kinds of just heinous shit, But at around 12.50 on the 13th, Matthew left the Tempo and went back to the Rapture bar. At this location, a former acquaintance reported that Matthew unexpectedly came to the bar and grabbed her butt. A friend of hers came and confronted Matthew, which caused him to leave at 1.03. Surveillance footage from nearby businesses showed Matthew walk past Hannah, only a block or two from Tempo. Hannah appeared to be very intoxicated and was having a hard time walking. Immediately after passing Hannah, two witnesses reported that Matthew turned around and began walking in the same direction as her. One of the witnesses would later testify that they saw Matthew catch up to Hannah and put his arm around her. So what the fuck? I mean... Just gross, dude. What the fuck are you doing? And then to see people later saw that this happened and did nothing that's I don't know Uh, especially if you knew that he didn't come with anyone and she didn't come with him and she's just walking by it's I don't know there's too many things that you could say for sure would be like oh yeah he definitely has no reason to be putting his arm around this girl the witness told Matthew that you don't even know her to which Matthew replied hush so he's definitely playing this game and one of the witnesses actually did say something to him now the two witnesses found this a bit worrying and followed Matthew and Hannah back to Temple and sat sat a table near the two. They witnessed Matthew ordering a drink for himself and a drink for Hannah. Credit card transaction would show that occurred at 110. So he actually took Hannah to another bar and got her more drunk, I guess. Now one of the witnesses went up to Matthew and asked him to buy her a drink, but Matthew refused. Eventually the two witnesses left with one of them stating they had a bad feeling about the situation and thought that Matthew was going to fuck her up. It's just weird to let that go if you have a bad feeling. You know, let more people know. If you got a busy night ahead of you, let someone who doesn't know so they can pay attention. So Matthew and Hannah left Tempo together. Obviously she was, I don't know what was going on at this point. She thought that this was a good idea. I don't know. Matthew began walking ahead of him. Matthew was the large man seen following behind her on the surveillance tape. After this, both were outside the surveillance cameras, but a witness across the street observed what happened next. He would be the last person to see Hannah alive. The witness saw Hannah walking ahead of Matthew. He then saw Matthew jog after Hannah, catch up with her, put his arm around her, and according to the witness, Matthew did not look friendly. He then saw them walk over to a 1998 Orange Chrysler Sebring, where Matthew opened the door to the car, stood outside, while Hannah stood on the other side of the vehicle. The witness heard Hannah exclaim, I'm not getting in the car with you. What is it, stolen? Hannah sounded frightened and scared, according to the witness. So, apparently they definitely had a conversation in this period. Where she was so drunk that she was at least not drunk enough to under. She was sober enough to understand that, hey, this is some random dude's car. So the witness continued to walk up the street opposite Matthew and Hannah and he was trying to hear some more things but he didn't hear anything and after only a minute the witness looked back to see if the two were still there but by the time he looked back they were gone. So was the car. The same day police announced they had a person of interest in Hannah's disappearance search turned up multiple items of evidence that would tie Matthew to Hannah's death. Investigators found a cell phone that had been in service until September, the day Hannah was killed. Its SIM card had been removed and was never recovered. The police also found a pair of shorts in Matthew's bedroom that had Hannah's DNA on it. And they also searched his car and found Hannah's DNA on the passenger door. So they got all the way to his apartment? That's just... What? A search of the underside of the vehicle also found plant material that was consistent with the vegetation where Hannah's body was found. Despite all of this evidence police didn't have enough concrete evidence to arrest Matthew. Later that same day Matthew got a new driver's license and withdrew all the money from his bank account. The next day hired a lawyer and if that's not a sign of guilty I don't know what is. The day after Matthew took his sister's car and fled the state on September 23rd, police issued a warrant for abduction with the intent to defile an unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. Within one day, Matthew is arrested in Galveston, Texas. He's extradited back to Virginia and is charged with abducting Hannah. As mentioned earlier, a few weeks later in October 2014, Hannah's skeleton remains were found in Amberland County in the woods behind 3193 Old Lynchburg Road. Matthew then had his first degree. Matthew then had first-degree murder added to the list of charges he was arrested on.
1: It was later upgraded
0: to capital murder. Yeah, fuck this dude. In October 2014, while Matthew was locked up for the murder of Hannah, investigators and reporters determined that Matthew may be worse than initially thought. As part of the investigation into Hannah's abduction and murder, investigators took Matthew's DNA for testing purposes. Upon checking it with other open cases, they were. There were two confirmed matches to other unsolved cases in virginia the first was in regards to the case in 2005 as mentioned earlier a woman walking back to the grocery store was attacked and raped by an african-american male who left his dna at the scene this dna was matched to matthew for that incident matthew was indicted on charges of attempted murder object sexual penetration and abduction the second case matthew was tied to was even more heinous and was a well-known unsolved case in Virginia, the murder of Morgan Dana Harrington. Morgan was a 20-year-old Virginia Tech student who disappeared after attending a Metallica concert at the John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. On the 17th of October, 2009, Morgan and three friends drove to John Paul Jones University Arena at the University of Virginia. After the opening act, Morgan left her friends to go use the restroom. She didn't return. Her friends called her at around 9 p.m. and asked where she was. She told them that she wasn't allowed back at the concert due to re-entry policy. She also told them not to worry that she had found a way back home. But she didn't bring a car to the concert, and she had not She had been drinking, so she decided to find a ride from someone else. Witnesses last saw her at 923 hitchhiking on a nearby Copley Bridge. She was reported missing the next day. And a search ensued. A search is on this morning for Virginia Tech Junior who's missing since attending a weekend rock concert. The Metallica show is at the John Paul Jones Arena on the University of Virginia campus in Charlottesville. CBS News correspondent Sorrel Brown is there this morning with the latest. Sorrel, good morning. Russ, good morning to you. Morgan Harrington was last seen in this building, John Paul Jones Arena, for that concert. After the show on Sunday, she was supposed to go home to Roanoke to visit her family. It's something that she would normally do, except this time. She never came home. So clearly something wrong with this dude. It's obvious. Right? I mean, you know that there's something wrong when it's not the first time. I mean, the first time obviously proves there's something wrong, but... He's been doing this for a long time, and had it not been for the fact that Hannah... Was walking through places that had so many cameras, Who knows what would have happened if he would have ever been caught? These other families of victims finally getting closure with him being arrested. Uh, CPD also found Morgan's bloodstained shirt near the Lanigan Athletic Field parking lot where investigators would find DNA on it that would match the DNA recovered from the 2005 Fairfax, Fairfax rape. Three months later, on January 26th of 2010, her remains were found in a remote field about 10 miles from the concert venue. Just horrific. Horrific. And when you when you see somebody who looks like they had a the potential to have a better life, In the sense of being an athlete to turn to murder is just sort of unheard of so by the time Matthew went to trial in March of 2016 he was facing a dozen felonies Uh, they were for the two murders one rape and attempted murder he was facing the death penalty however he took the plea agreement and he was subsequently sentenced to four consecutive life sentences He was reprimanded under the custody of the Red Onion Maximum Security Prison, the highest security prison in Virginia. And that makes me curious as to who else is there. I mean, when it's the worst of the worst, how come there hasn't been an investigation discovery in there? On May 21st of 2019, it was reported that Matthew was diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer and was transferred to uh, to a state prison with better medical resources. Uh, Why? It's believed that he doesn't have much longer to live due to the uh, the progress of the disease. Now, due to the serial nature of Matthew's crimes, many believe that he has more victims out there, and many of them because of the disappearances in the Virginia area. Some of the cases include... ...women missing. Let me just be clear again. The Alexis Murphy case has not been linked to the Graham or the Harrington cases, making headlines just recently in that very same part of Virginia. But... The family of Alexis Murphy knows all too well what those other families are going through. So joining me now from Charlottesville, Virginia, is Trina Murphy. We just saw her in that piece. Um, She is the great aunt of Alexis Murphy. So Trina, welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time. So Autumn Day in Newport News, Sophia Rivera in Newport News, Heidi Childs and David uh, Metzler in Blacksburg, Cassandra Morton in Lynchburg, Samantha Clark in Orange County, and uh, Alexis Murphy in Lovingston. So all these other people are possible, possibly linked to this dude, and I would imagine so. He seemed to have, like, my biggest thing is, like, with Hannah, he didn't seem to care at all. Like, he just went for it. He just went and did it. And that, to most people who are into true crime, it tells you that he, this isn't his first time. It's not his first rodeo. And the fact that he was diagnosed with colon cancer, and then they're going to try and keep him alive is kind of bizarre. But I guess they do want to see him rue the day. And whether that's life in prison or him eventually dying, I don't know. They're going to get it one way or the other. He's not going anywhere. But that has been the murder of Hannah Graham. But until next time, good night. just be in action, you know? Should be ready to go. Fuck it. Why? You know, why not? Why does it seem quiet now? Or not quiet, just less loud. Crank that up a little bit. Huh? Right there? How's that one? I suppose it's probably okay, huh? Alright, so fuck. Oh, what was I saying? See, they think behind the scenes isn't just gonna be this, right? It's just <laughs> the setting up of the microphone, the weird testing things we all do. And you can find that and so much more by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash podculture. There's all kinds of exclusive behind the scenes, things like you just heard. And I mean, that was weird. Certainly weird. Don't know how that happened. But either way, you get that and so much more. You get to hear what it's like before we get the episode ready. And I just hit the microphone and this is so raw that it's going to stay in here. That's how raw we're keeping it. But be sure to hit up that Patreon, support the show that you love, and we can keep creating and giving you guys the best quality that we possibly can and not those weird behind-the-scenes that we're all looking for when we go to Patreon. But definitely subscribe, because otherwise, what am I doing here? I sat here and recorded this whole thing for you uh, to make sure that you knew what was going on. And if you don't subscribe, I just feel like, you know, I feel like a jerk. I feel like a real jerk for wasting the time in this. And, um, you know, that's... Stinks. It really stinks. Patreon.com slash pod culture.